0: Sufyan bin Uyayna, he says, أَوَّلُ الْعِلْمِ The beginning of knowledge is listening. This is where knowledge all starts. Humbling yourself and telling yourself, yes, there is something I can learn. When you start listening, ثُمَّ الْفَهَمْ Then you'll start focusing on understanding what you've heard. ثُمَّ And after understanding, then you focus on memorizing. ثُمَّ الْعَمَلُ then your goal should be to practice what you've learned, what you've heard, understood, memorized. The fourth step is, you now practice it. And then the last thing is, you should now convey it and spread it amongst people. Unfortunately, our process of seeking knowledge is flipped. We listen, convey, and practice before we die. Our focus is, let's convey first. Let's go on Facebook and tell everyone, guys, just checked into... A class at Majd al rahman On the stories of the Prophet That's what I'm doing right now And everyone's liking MashaAllah This person's an Allama Because they're doing So much good work <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Then gives Musa salam Some basic instructions <laughs> كُلُّ نَفْسٍ بِمَا تَسْعَى فَلَا يَصُدَّنَّكَ عَنْهَا يُؤْمِنُ بِهَا I won't translate these verses, they're in the beginning of Surah Taha. You can read them and understand the translation. They're very beautiful. Allah is telling him, you know, I am your Allah. Establish your prayer. Focus on the hereafter. Don't let people distract you from the message of the hereafter. There are people who are full of distractions. Don't let them distract you. Now, then Allah changes the conversation. What does Allah say? What's in, what's in your right hand? What's in your right hand, O oh Musa? Now, Musa, salam, when asked what's in his right hand, the answer should have been, it is my stick. stick. Or actually, not even that, it is my stick. It should have been, it is a stick. Allah didn't ask, who does it belong to? What was Allah's question? What's in your hand? So his answer should have been? What was that, sorry? Wait, have in his left. Left right right. Did he have anything in his left? Wallahu Alam. We do know that he was holding the staff in the right. That we know. Um, There's no mention of what he had in his left at that conversation. Possibly nothing. وَمَا bi ya Musa? What is in your right? His answer should have been a stick. Someone asks you, what's this? You say, "Hada qalamun." This is a pen. You don't start saying Hada Kalami bihi." you know. You don't say this is my pen, I write with it. That's not what you do. But Musa السلام, you can see from this ayah how freaked out he must have been. How nervous he must have been. He's speaking with Allah. He's, not speak, he's speaking with Allah. The most important conversation that ever happened on the face of this earth was Musa alayhi salam's this conversation. Because the mutakallim was Musa, the mukhatib was Allah azawajal. I want you to really let that settle in. You speak to a shaykh, the imam al-haram, your heart begins to tremble a little bit. Some years back I was traveling, going from Medina to Mecca, and I was sitting at the front of the plane in business class. And I noticed in front of me, in the, in the seat in front of me, was sitting the Imam of Haram. Imam of Haram Makkah. So when we got off the plane, I went to meet him. There was a limousine that came to pick him up, and there were a bunch of guards there. And uh, I went to him, and I introduced myself. He called me, and he asked me to sit inside the car, and we had a conversation. I was very nervous. Because I had been listening to this Imam of Haram my entire life growing up. And now I was sitting in front of him and he's asking me about the ahwal of America and asking me about my life and asking me about who I am. If you think that was a nervous conversation, imagine Musa alayhi The Allah that inspired his mother to put him in a basket, put him in a sunduk, in some sort of a carriage and sent him off in the river. The Allah that would empower him to face Fir'aun, now he's speaking without Allah. No one before him has done this no one after him will do this from the Anbiya alayhi He's speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What an honor. Musa alayhi salam. he starts speaking about the staff of his. You also see from this how, Musa, how these prophets and how human beings I'm just going to broaden it a little bit how human beings their possessions were meaningful to them. You know If I were to ask um, one of you, if I were to ask the sister here, what's this in your hand? She would say it's iPhone 11 or 10, whichever one is going on these days. iPhone 10. People don't consider it to be their phone. This is my phone. This is my companion in life. This is what I take my notes on. This is what I'm connected with. This is what I use to call my parents. This is what I use to take pictures of my kids. Like there really isn't a personal relationship with our, with our possessions because the second the new model comes out, what happens to the old one? It's gone. When Musa alayhi salam, as the Mu'addi mentioned, he had this staff of his for years. And this staff was to remain with him for many more, de- many more decades. These people had a relationship with their, with their possessions. And I think it's important that people create uh, relationships with their possessions. There was a sister, who, there is a sister who studies at the Qalam Seminary. She comes to me one day and she says, sheikh uh, I purchased a car recently and I've been thinking of naming it. I said, okay, that's good. That's a good thing. You should name your car. Not, not a bad idea. So a few days later, she came to me and said, I figured out the name. I'm going to name it Qaswa. <laughs> Qaswa was the? What color was the camel? It was a whitish colored camel of the Prophet and her car was white, so she said, you know what, through that munasaba, I'll name it qaswa. The Prophet's camel only took him to khair my camel brings me to qalam to study. Inshallah, there's tafa'ul in there, there's good hope in there. This is something meaningful. There was one brother that I saw in Chicago, even in Dallas I saw this too. He bought a sports car, he named it Burak. <laughs> Burak. I'm not sure if that's a good thing because there might be a lot of speeding that comes out of that. <laughs> These people had a relationship with their possessions. It is my staff. I lean on it when I walk. biha ala I use it to drop leaves on my flock. Wa And I have many other benefits. The scholars, they say, when you look at Musa alayhi salam's statement, it seems a little off. He starts off with a lot of detail and this ends abruptly. What happens? He starts with a lot of details. And then what happens? It just stops. have many other benefits. The ulama they write, maybe one of the reasons why Musa alayhi salam um, he stopped the conversation all of a sudden it was because he realised the adab of speaking less. Maybe it was through the conversation at some point he realized, oh my God, I shouldn't be talking this much. I'm in front of Allah. Let's let Allah do the talking. Other alama say it may have been that during his conversation, during his statement, he may have realized that my statement is going to be very long and my heart yearns to hear the words of Allah. So he stopped his words right there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Musa alayhi salam, alqiha ya Musa. What does Allah tell him? Alqiha Throw it down. The staff you have in your hand, put it down. Yes. Al. أل... Which one? أل... Uh, uh, when you say throw the asa down. Yes. What is the word? There are different words in different parts of the Quran. Yes. The Surah Taha, Alqiha Ya Musa. Yeah, this is what Surah Taha says. Right? And another place, An Alqi Asak. That's another place in the Quran. Yeah, Asak, your staff. Alqiha Ya Musa. Allah says, Throw it down on Musa. Musa alayhi salam throws his staff down. فَإِذَا هِيَ حَيَّةٌ It is now this massive serpent snake that's running everywhere. Musa alayhi salam is terrified. Why is he terrified? Because there's a snake in front of him. For crying out loud, anyone would be terrified. I don't care who you are. If there's a massive snake in front of you, what do you do? Oh my, and you run. Musa alayhi is standing in front of this massive snake and it's not just in one place that he's kind of like holding his breath like this snake is tasa what is it doing? it's running around, it's everywhere Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Khudha wa la takhaf. hold it and don't fear my heart is racing right now Allah just told him hold the snake no one ever tells another person that in particular, if they're a novice and they've never done this before, if there's a massive snake, you tell them, run. You don't tell them, hold the snake. And Allah tells him, ولا تَخَفْ Don't fear. It's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling him, don't fear the material, just trust Allah. What is Allah telling him? No matter how terrifying the material looks, no matter how scary it looks, no matter how much it runs around, Fir'aun's going to do a lot of this stuff. He's going to run circles and he's going to make a lot of noise and he's really big bag and scary like your snake right here is. لا تخف. Don't fear. Because Allah is with you. Sanu'iduha سِيرَةَهَا الْأُولَى We will return it back to its original state. Tomorrow you will stand in front of Pharaoh and you must learn to overcome your fears. And Musa alayhi salam is having his first training session of overcoming his fears with Allah. Allah is training Musa alayhi salam how to overcome his fears. خُذْهَا wala taqaf. سَنُعِيدُهَا sira الْأُولَى Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands Musa alayhi salam to pull his hand, um, to put his hand to his side, janahik in one part of one part of the Quran, and in another part of the Quran it says, Fi Jaybik, that put your heart put your hand through your collar. Jayb is like the empty space inside the collar and you put your hand inside there and put it underneath your arm and when you take it out تخرج bayda, بَيْضًا it'll come out light and white now why was this a miracle? some scholars say this was a miracle because of an incident that occurred in Musa's life many years ago when he was a kid what was that miracle? I'll come to it very shortly but just hold on, just keep that in mind and this was kind of like a symbol between him and Pharaoh because Pharaoh knew what happened, Fir'aun knew what happened, and Musa Alayhi knew what happened. So his hand glowing was a very big miracle. What was that miracle? I'll come to it shortly. Now Musa Alayhi salam, when he's given this nubuah, he's standing in front of Allah. Allah just loaded so much on his shoulders. Imagine how overwhelming he must have felt. And also considering that his relationship with Fir'aun wasn't necessarily the best relationship. And also in considering that Musa wasn't going to Egypt to talk with Firaun, he was going to Egypt to meet who? His mother. As we narrated at the beginning of the class. He was going to meet his mother, and now Allah is saying, you'll meet your mother, but in addition to that, you're going to go and deal with Firaun as well. So Musa alayhi is a little worried. And he has a lot of thoughts in his mind. A lot of burden on his chest. He's not sure what's gonna happen. So immediately he says, Rabbi Ishrahli Sadri. Wa Yasil Amri. Oh my Lord, clear up Ishra'hli Sadri, clear up my thoughts, my my chest. Clear my heart. He must have been afraid. So what is he saying to Allah? Clear my heart. Ishrahali Sadrī, Wa Ya Amri. This is a great task you've just given me. I'm given the responsibility to take down Pharaoh with no soldiers. How do you take on the greatest superpower in the region without having any army? How does that happen? How do you do such a thing? Ya Allah, you've told me to do it, I'm gonna do it, just make it easy. And untie the knot from my tongue. Halla means to untie something. And untie the, uqda, the knot from my tongue. What is he talking about here? Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi alayhi mentions the reason why Musa salam made this dua, he quotes from Ibn Abbas radiallahu alayhi. What happened was, one day when Musa salam was young, he was in Pharaoh's lap and he was playing, and Pharaoh gave him a slap. Weirdo. Don't ask me why, don't look at me. He was Fir'aun. I'm not going to justify it, okay? He had probably killed thousands of kids already. Slapping a kid was probably one of the better gestures of his life. <laughs> so what did he do to this kid? For he slapped Musa a.s. Now by the way, I just want to make it clear. Some scholars have said that it wasn't Fir'aun that slapped, it was actually Musa that slapped some say that what happened Musa a.s. was the one that reached up and slapped Fir'aun giving him a wake up call that this is what's coming your way get ready let me grow up and I'll show you so Musa a.s. grabbed on to Pharaoh's beard and he yanked it and pulled out some hair Firaun said to his wife Asiya, هذا عدوي فهاتي بالذباحين that this is my enemy so go and call the slaughterer so they can chop this kid's head off. فَقَالَتْ آسِيَةَ آسِيَةَ said, فَإِنَّهُ صَبِيٌّ لَا يُفَرِّقُ الأشياء. She said, calm down. رسلك, relax. He's a child. لَا يُفَرِّقُ الأشياء. He doesn't have the ability to distinguish between things. How is he going to know whether you're a pharaoh or another old dude who's just being weird? How is he going to know? so in order to prove her point, demonstrate her point, she brought two trays. فجعلت في إحداهما جمرًا وَفِي الآخر جوهرًا. In one, she placed a coal, hot coal. In another one, she placed a johar, like a, a ruby, a pearl. فأخذ جبريل بِيَدِ موسى فوضعها على النار. Musa al-islam, Arab. He was reaching, so Musa, so Jibril pushed his hand towards the hot coal. And Musa alayhi held that coal. <laughs> Musa alayhi placed that coal in his mouth, which resulted in the stuttering and the speech impediment that he had. And because of that, his hand was burnt. And therefore, when he placed his hand underneath his arm, the burn marks would be all gone, and his hand would glow. And this was an indication to what happened to when he was young and it was a reminder for Pharaoh that we were the ones that pushed that hand. This hand should have always been glowing. He was destined that day to be a Nabi. Get your act straight. Otherwise, just as he pulled your beard and slapped you, very soon you're going to have a lot more trouble to deal with. This is a symbolism some scholars have shared. Obviously, it's not um, in any sarih riwayah and shouldn't be taken as any hard rule. Musa alayhi salam then continues And he says Harun akhi Ujdud bihi azri Wa ashirikhu fi amri Oh Allah and my brother Harun akhi My brother Harun Ujdud bihi azri Through him strengthen my back Wa ashirikhu fi amri And join him in my matter The scholars, they say, the greatest dua a brother ever made for another brother was the dua of Musa salam for his brother Harun because it was through this dua that Harun was made a nabi. Some brothers make dua for their brothers, Ya Allah, give my brother a healthy child, give my brother a beautiful wife, give him a successful business, give him a nice home, a plush car. Here he made dua, what? Ya Allah, give my brother nubuwa. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? لَقَدْ أُوْتِيْتَ سُؤْلَكَ يَا مُوسَى Allah accepted that dua of Musa alayhi It also teaches us the love and appreciation Musa alayhi salam had for his family members. Because I want you to bear in mind, at the bare minimum, when was the last time Musa alayhi salam saw his brother Harun? At least 10 years ago. At least how many years ago? At least 10 years ago he saw his brother but yet, in the most important moment of his life, who is he thinking of? Family. He's thinking of his brother. This is what you call appreciation. This is what you call being grounded. You know, the Prophet goes through the most significant moment in his life, Wahi, who is he thinking of going to immediately? Khadija. Family. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs. At this time, Musa alayhi salam was on his way back from Madian. Harun was in, in Misr. He receives revelation. The Mufassirun say, Harun alayhi salam was like, what's going on here? And he's told that your brother just made du'a for you. You've been granted nabuwa. And Harun alayhi salam, imagine how shocked he must have been like, what? Like, are you, what? I'm a Nabi? Through the dua of my brother, how much, he must have, how much he must have appreciated that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately commanded Harun, as the Mufassirun mentioned, to go and find Musa and meet him. Because together they would go to meet Fir'aun. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ca- continues to command Musa salam on how to deal with the situation of Fir'aun. He says, that you both will come to Fir'aun, When you speak to Fir'aun, you won't use his style of speech. Because Fir'aun is a very rough man. He's always arrogant, he's narcissistic, he's always threatening people and saying he's going to kill kids and kill women and and do all this sort of weird stuff. This is how Fir'aun was. Very arrogant. You won't take that approach. Because arrogance isn't always solved with arrogance. Sometimes you do need it, by the way. Sometimes the best way to deal with arrogance is a little bit of arrogance. Right? But... You don't start there. Where do you start? Before Fir'aun will be destroyed by the punishment of Allah, before the adab comes, before the jalal comes, you always start with ease. You start with mercy. You start with kindness. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says to him, "Go and speak to him softly." The mashayikh and ulama they write under this under this verse that when you give dawa, speak softly. Don't be harsh when you speak to your kids. Speak softly When you speak to your family members Speak softly Don't be harsh Don't be mean Sometimes you may say to yourself But they just don't listen Well unless you're greater than Musa And the one you're speaking to Is worse than Fir'aun You need to be nice Because here Allah is telling Musa alayhi salam The best of people on the face of the earth At that time When he goes to Fir'aun The worst of people on the face of the earth Bil-itlaq maybe even Like you know Probably generally speaking Definitely at that time Allah is telling him, when you go to him, speak softly. I am amazed by people who think that because what they're saying is right, they are justified to use a harsh tone. I find it interesting when I see people who are talking on issues of liberalism and feminism and all sorts of progressive issues and think it's completely okay to be harsh and abusive and aggressive and demeaning and speaking down to people, and mockery and joking. I find it amazing how these people think it's okay to do that. If you're doing this da'wah, if you're engaging in this argument to fuel, fuel your own nafs, then keep doing mockery. You'll be accountable with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the wrong method of da'wah. But if you're doing it for the sake of Allah, then you have to do it the way Allah told us to do it. The way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to do it is to be soft and easy. You don't mock someone and win their heart. That's not how da'wah works. You don't mock someone on Facebook and make fun of all the feminists out there and expect them to listen to you. You know, there was a lady, she posted once on a Facebook post of a, of a particular person who posted on the issue of feminism. There was an issue, uh, a person who posted on the issue of feminism and it was unfiltered um, thoughts of his and they weren't necessarily structured with the most adab, if you wish to say. They were very harsh. And the sister commented in return, she said, I just want you to know that I've become kafir because of your comment. Like I chose, after reading your post, to leave Islam. Now I'm not saying she did the right thing, right? Um, but what I am saying is that when religious folks lose their adab, sometimes awamun the common folk, believe that these religious folk do not have manners because maybe God doesn't want them to have manners. Maybe this is how religion actually is. When you speak as a person and represent the deen, if you are going to misrepresent the deen, make it very clear. Hey guys, the Qur'an is very beautiful, I'm a scrooge. Be honest, be open. That way people aren't deluded. Allah, the Prophet ﷺ, he dealt with munafiqoon, who are much worse than whatever it is that you're dealing with. Did he ever cuss at them? Did he ever... You know, when Abdullah, when Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul, Raisul munafiqin the head of hypocrites when he died the prophet was willing, wanted to pray janazah on his, on his qabr I want you to understand this, this man was actively involved in slandering the prophet's wife, this man actively took people away from the battlefield and made the Muslims who remained in the battlefield feel abandoned because some of their soldiers had left them yet when he dies what is the prophet saying I'm going to pray for him I'm going to make istighfar for him until Allah says, وَلَا عَلَى استغفر لهم أَوْ لَا تَسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ إِن تَسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ سَبْعِينَ مَرَّةً فَلَنْ يَغْفِرَ اللَّهُ لَهُمْ Allah is prohibiting the Prophet. So, but until that point, the Prophet wanted to. I appreciate and I understand there's a time to be harsh. There's a time to be rough. There's a time to be bold. But first you have to go through فَقُولَ لَهُ قَوْلًا لَيِّنٌ As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is instructing now Musa salam after hearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell him how to speak to Musa what is the approach you will take what will you say after hearing all of this and getting all these instructions from Allah he admits to Allah saying Ya Allah I'm scared <laughs> Ya Allah we're scared this is not a joke we're going to be in the ring with Pharaoh. He has all the material at his dip- disposal. He has all the swords, all the armies, all the weapons, all the jails. This man could crush us. Ya Allah, there's fear. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Musa alayhi salam, Don't have any fear. I am with you, and I am your eyes, and I am your ears. I will be with you on this operation. Anything said to you, I will hear it. Anything done to you, I will see it. And it's as if Allah is saying, I won't let them harm you. The ulama, they write here, قالوا lahiqahuma لَمَّا لَحِقَهُمَا مَا يَلْحَقُ الْبَشَرِ مِنَ الْخَوْفِ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمَا عَرَّفَهُمَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَىٰ أَنَّ فِرْعَوْنَ لَا يَصِلُ إِلَيْهِمَا وَلَا قَو that when Musa experienced that which any normal human being would experience, which is fear, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs Musa, there's no need to fear. We will take care of you. Then the ulama write, وَالْخَوْفُ مِنَ الْأَعْدَىٰ سُنَّةُ اللَّهِ فِي أَنْبِيَائِهِ وَأَوْلِيَائِهِ And fearing the enemy is the sunnah of Allah that he gives to his friends and He gives to his anbiya. Go and read the Qur'an and you'll find the Prophets of Allah mentioning they were fearful. The fear was real. These people had, they, they, they experienced khawf. مَعْ bihi بِهِ thiqatihim And they feared, they feared what they encountered even though they knew Allah was with them. Why? Why did they fear? The ulama, they write, the reason why these people feared was because it was this fear that made them feel desperate and helped them connect greater to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It helped them create greater to Allah. When a person is in a position that they're absolutely terrified, they're just not sure what's going to come next. What do they do, guys? What do they do? Have you ever sat on a scary roller coaster and you get buckled in And you kind of close your eyes and as the roller coaster is creeping to its elevation and it stops for a moment and you realize at this point you couldn't even jump out of the seat even if you wanted to. There is no bailing, there is no ditching. This fall is happening. There was one sister, she told me, that sheik I've never done dhikr of Allah more sincerely than at Six Flags. I thought that was an interesting statement because Six Flags usually isn't like the place of dhikr because there's a lot of ghafla there. People aren't dressed appropriately and it's a big mess. And it's really dirty too. But anyway. I said, how? She says, when I sit on those rides, I do dhikr of Allah from my heart. La ilaha illallah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah. I thought to myself, wow, this is one sincere sister. She's just saying it the way it is. When you lose hope in everyone, you know, right when you're about to go into surgery and they take you away from your family members and they're pushing you towards the blade, at that moment right before you close your eyes and they inject you with anesthesia, who's the last person you call out to? Huh? To Allah. I experienced this. When I went for my spinal surgery, I remember they took me and they were taking me. And as I went away from my family and my mother was in the room and my wife and my children were in one room and they were taking me, I felt with every moment more and more lonely. And at that exact moment, I was thinking of being taken to the qabr. For some reason, that reflection came in. I felt like they were taking me away. And then the doctor said, we're going to administer anesthesia. Are you, are you okay? And I said, one minute, one second. And I just quickly made a dua to Allah. And I felt like at that moment, I had reached into a place in my heart of such sincerity, such desperacy, such reliance on Allah, that had I asked for anything, Allah would have given it to me. And I was a fool only to ask for one thing. I should have told them, give me half an hour, please. Like... I need to make a lot of du'a right now. I'm in a very unique, special place. So when a person experiences fear, what happens? They become more sincere. They rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they make that du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We see this in the story of the Prophet ﷺ. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells, a prophet, tells Musa alayhi salam, you will go to Pharaoh, you will have a discussion with him, And this will be the script. Allah gives them the script. This is what you're going to do. You're going to start here, or you'll end here, but this part must be said. And the rest of it, it's up to you. Because in da'wah, there are some things that are a must. If you talk about everything relating to da'wah, but don't give the da'wah, that's not da'wah. Some people, they talk about how they're good human beings, how I'm a good person, I'm not going to harm you, I'm a nice person. But during the one-hour conversation, you forgot to introduce that person to Allah. You are doing da'wah of yourself, not da'wah of Allah. This is what you call bad da'wah. In every da'wah, every communication where you're trying to give a good impression, at some point, there should be a mention of Allah, Rasul, Islam, Deen, Masajid, the Muslim Ummah. Don't make it about yourself. So Allah tells them, this skeleton must exist. فَأْتِيَاهُ inna رَسُولَ Introduce yourself, that you are the messengers of God. فَأَرْسِلْ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلٍ We command, that you, we demand that you give us Banu Israel. Because Pharaoh, over the years, while Musa was gone over those 10 years, his dhulm on Banu Israel only increased. His torture only increased. فَأَرْسِلْ مَعَنَا بَنِي Israel وَلَا تعذبهم. Stop oppressing the people of Banu Israel. Send them with us. We have come with signs from your Lord. And may peace be with the one Who follows the path of guidance We'll stop here today inshallah And we'll leave it here inshallah Because this is um, Musa alayhis salam being granted revelation Musa alayhis salam standing in front of Allah And the conversation he had with Allah In our next class inshallah We will go into Musa alayhis salam standing in front of Fir'aun What happens now Now it's game time Everyone's been ready, waiting for Habib and Macon, uh, Conor McGregor. Now what happens? Everyone's waiting for Muhammad Ali and Tyson and all the other fighters and their peaks. What will happen now? On one side you have one, on the other side you have another. And what happens now? And I want you to really anticipate it. I want you to feel what happens now. It's Musa Ali, salam, Kalimullah, one-punch knockout Musa. Who do you have on one side? You guys remember that story, right? فَوَكَزَهُ Humusa, One punch, Musa, knockout, right to the qabr. On one side you have one punch, knockout, Musa. And on the other side you have Pharaoh the butcher. <laughs> Who and what happens? Who wins and what happens? That's something inshallah we'll cover in our next class. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants barakah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts. وَسَلَى اللَّهُ Muhammad. سَيَدْهُ مُحَمَّدْ أَسْلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَةُ wa barakatuh.